Welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast. Coming to you live from my new apartment, and it is a shit show in here, Gavin. I'm not gonna lie. We have just clothes strewn all over the floor. Nothing nice over here. Hey, don't gotta look nice to talk nice. All right, we're talking NFC today. We're talking college football. Week zero around the corner. I couldn't be more excited. Oh yeah, no, we got a pretty good show for y'all today. We're gonna break down week zero, so you guys can get that in right before the games tomorrow. Then drop a couple predictions for you for what we think is gonna play out this college football season. And of course, we are previewing the NFC today with the NFL season right around the corner. So without further ado, let's just jump right in here to week zero. The first game I really want to focus on is the Irish versus Navy in Dublin, Ireland, which should be pretty fun. The Irish are coming into play, having won 10 of their last 11 against the midshipmen. They're currently sitting at 20 and a half point favorites. What are you expecting to see out of Marcus Freeman and his squad in week one here? I'm expecting to see a, well, first and foremost, a win. If they lose this game, that is downright embarrassing. However, this line opened at just over 21 points, already down to 20 and a half with everybody betting the midshipmen to cover three touchdowns. I will say I like the midshipmen to cover three touchdowns. What I want to see out of the Irish in week one, first and foremost, do not let this game be close. The Navy midshipmen are no joke. Do not overlook them or you will have problems with their triple option and the defense comes with their physical play. However, the Irish O-line paired with that defense are too much to overcome for the midshipmen in this game. The Irish will win. I have been winning by about two touchdowns. What I want to see from the Irish, first and foremost, is a dominant running game. I want to see the offensive line and I want to see Audrey Castime take over and I want to see them dominate, drive in and drive out and score touchdowns at will. Yeah, same here. I mean, I think the midshipmen are going to be fun in this game because apparently they're debuting a new look offense where they might be throwing the ball a little more, which should be interesting seeing them go a little off brand. But you hit it around the head right there with the running game. I mean, Navy has had the second rank run defense in the league last year, keeping opponents just under 90 yards. The Irish need to get it going on the ground. For me, though, I really want to see Sam Harmon do what he does best, and that's air out the football. He was second all time in the ACC in passing yards behind Phillip Rivers. And that's what Notre Dame brought him in to do. A large part of this team's success is relying on Sam Harmon being the guy who can stretch the field the same way he did at Wake Forest. I love that. That I do want to see him air it out a little bit, but I do believe he will do that no matter what the Irish bring out on offense. I am more concerned about how well they're going to attack the ground game and probably more importantly, how well their front seven is going to hold up. Navy runs that triple option. You did mention them potentially airing it out a little bit more. I think you're alluding to the fact that they're adding tight ends to their offense. We're used to seeing the midshipmen add those big body wide receivers at the end of the lines. They're going to incorporate the tight ends in this game. I still think the Notre Dame front seven is far better than what Navy has to offer. I want to then be physical, win at the line of scrimmage. I think ultimately Notre Dame wins this game by two touchdowns in a low scoring affair and we see the defense shine. Same here. I mean, I think stout defense is another thing I'm really looking forward to, specifically from their D-line. This is a fresh group taking the field in the Irish. They have a lot of talent, desperate to prove themselves. And this seems like a great first test for this line. I mean, given that Navy's bread and butter is the triple option, they should be pretty good in trying to test this Notre Dame defensive front. The bottom line is I need to see the Irish play physical up front. I mean, especially if they want to be competitive against like the Ohio State's the Clemson of the world where they're going to have a lot better offensive line play and running game. So give me the Irish to cover the spread, but I also kind of want to take the under in this game of 50 points. I love the under. It's currently set at 49. I don't think 49 points are being scored. I will disagree with you strongly in the Irish covering. I think Navy covers two touchdowns with ease here. You get both teams traveling to Dublin, Ireland. That is halfway across the globe. That's going to take a toll. It's week zero. Teams are adjusting. I see this game soaring under 49 points. I see Navy covering plus the 21. However, I'm seeing Navy's team total anywhere from 13 and a half to 14 and a half. 
If you can get Navy's team total at 14 and a half points, they're not going to score two touchdowns against this Notre Dame Irish defense. Navy team total under 14 and a half. However, Notre Dame isn't scoring 35 points. Navy covers. Notre Dame defense shows up. The game soars under. I can have a lot of best in this game. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think the final score is going to be here? Final score, have it somewhere in the ballpark of 30 to 17. Maybe timeout, because I just did say Navy's going to score under 13 points. Let's go 28-13. The Irish don't cover the 21 points. Navy covers plus 21. Navy's team total soars under. The under soars under. 28-13 Irish final score. Got the Irish at 30 and Navy with 13 points. I think that Irish offense is really going to shine in this game. But more importantly, we're going to see the defensive line do some stuff for the Irish. That's what I really want to see. If the Irish defense shows up and the running game shows up, I will be happy with their performance. Another game that's really interesting this week, we got number six, USC versus San Jose State. And USC comes into this game at a 30 and a half point favorite. (laughs) <laughs> which may lead you to think the story of this game is going to be the Trojan offense, which I mean, it very well is. But more importantly, I need USC to absolutely dominate the Spartans on defense. As I said earlier, I'm not buying USC as the sixth best team in the country. I need to see them play defense well against the Spartans. The Spartan offense, it's not great, but it, granted, it is the Mountain West. It has shown a lot of improvement over the years. The Spartan offense will feature a dual threat quarterback in Siobhan Cordero and a running back at Kerry Robinson. So I expect them to have a heavy running attack against this revamped offense. For me, if the Spartans score 21 points in this game, I'm already going to have concerns with USC. I agree. The USC offense is going to come out and they're going to shine. There's no question about that. Their team total is currently set at 48 and a half. That's seven touchdowns for you fellas at home if you want to take the over. I would recommend taking it. They're going to score 50 no matter who's playing quarterback. Caleb Williams will be out of the game by the third quarter, maybe the fourth. It doesn't matter. They're going to score. You hit the nail on the head, Jasper. They need to play defense. If the USC Trojans are going to take this game as a success, I need to see two things happen. I need to see them get off the field on third down, and I need to see them stop the run. The two things that really hurt them last year, and two things that if you're going to have a successful year this year, you need to, you need to do well against San Jose State. I mean, offensively for the USC, I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing Caleb be Caleb. I mean, we get to watch the best quarterback in the country to open up the college football season against the Mountain West defense so he should be on the bench by half as you said i'm also really excited to see dorian singer in action i think he's going to fill the hole left by addison and maybe even better he and caleb could be pretty electric to watch this year I've got USC in this game by about four to five touchdowns. You mentioned they were a minus 30 and a half favorite. I wouldn't be touching that line if I was a sharp better. However, I would love that USC over 48 and a half points. Seven touchdowns seems like a lot. They will score it. That offense is way too high powered. They're in the Coliseum. They're playing a Mountain West opponent. They're going to score points. Yeah, for me, I I mean, I talked about how I have concerns about their defense, and you got to prove it to me. I have the Spartans to cover 30 and a half. I think that's just too wide a margin, and I also have the over for that game as well. I like it. I like it a lot. And originally on this podcast this week, we were going to pick another game this weekend that seemed interesting. I couldn't really find anything because, I mean, the schedule doesn't really start to get good till Thursday, but I know there's a game you got your eye on here, Gav. I do. As a betting man, I tend to stay away from the mid-majors simply because the volatility in, in those conferences is way too much for me. However, I do love the Ohio Bobcats by a field goal in San Diego this upcoming Saturday against the Aztecs. The Aztecs are a team that pride themselves on their defense while Ohio with Bobcats are a team led by returning, and we love our match in Jasper, returning Mac Offensive Player of the Year, Curtis Rourke, their quarterback leading the charge. And I expect them to score points. I expect this game to be very close down in San Diego. The San Diego State defense will show up. However, the offense is non-existent. Ohio by a field goal. Give me those three points. Give me the Bobcats and let's move on. 
that game should be pretty fun. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the Aztecs still play in the old Chargers stadium. They do. They do. That's true. That would be a fun game to watch on TV. I don't really have much else to say. I'm not really a Maxion guy until it gets into the Wednesday, Thursday schedule. And I'm so deprived of college football that I just need something to get me through the week. But <laughs> I think it should be a pretty good matchup to watch. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up our week zero breakdown. So hopefully things go as we predict. A couple other predictions we have for this season. Gav, we got it. We got to jump into some Heisman and college football playoff predictions here. Absolutely. So first up, we're going to do the Heisman, and I'm going to let you give your list first because mine's pretty basic. I think I think there's no surprises for me. Sure. I'm going to steer clear of the Caleb Williams prediction because, quite simply, he is the best player in college football. There's no way around it. Anyone who said otherwise simply didn't watch last season. So I'm going to go with two guys who have odds over a 1,000 right now. First and foremost, Drake May. This guy is going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft come April. His talent is off the charts. As we mentioned during our ACC preview a couple weeks back, the offensive line is a question. I want to see them keep him healthy. However, the wide receiver room is ridiculous. He's got talent all over the field on offense. He's going to be able to air the ball out. I want to see what Drake May can do this year. Second guy got my list, again, plus 1,000. And the only reason he's plus 1,000 is because Caleb Williams is so good. Jaden Daniels over at LSU. He's not going to run like we talked about last week on the, on the SEC preview. He's not going to run like he did last year. However, he's going to have a lot more time to air the ball out. Wide receivers are great. The running backs are going to help him. The pressure's off him this year. It's not Jaden Daniels' team. It is a complete LSU team, top to bottom. I expect big things from Jaden Daniels, and I expect him to be right in that conversation come winter in December. I absolutely agree. I think Jaden Daniels has all the potential in the world to really put his foot down and make his way to New York this year. I also have, like, obviously, Caleb Williams, the best player in college football, but I got a couple of pretty interesting picks here. At number one, I got Jordan Travis at FSU. I think he is going to be the guy in the ACC this year. Obviously, we love Drake May, but Jordan Travis has all the talent in the world surrounding him, and I think it's time he lives up to expectations. I think he'd easily play his way, especially as he gets closer to NFL draft eligibility. I think he's really going to play his way to in some conversations this year as well as his team in the college football playoff conversation. Another guy I have on this list, and this is starting to allude a little bit to my season predictions, is Nick Singleton over at Penn State. I think this guy is going to be an absolute dog for them, and he's just going to be incredible on offense. He's the perfect combination of physicality and speed. He's going to be unreal. Lastly, yeah. I have... And another allusion to my final standings is Quinnen Ewers. Here's my dark horse guy. I think Texas is fully back. He is surrounded by talent. He, he is the number one recruit in the nation dating back to 2020. He's going to be phenomenal, I believe, for Texas, especially with his supporting cast. And I think, as I said, I think I have su such high hopes for Texas. I think he's going to be the reason they beat Bama. I think he's going to be the reason they run through the Big 12. And I think we can expect big things from Quinnen Ewers this season. I love both those picks, especially at the odds you can get them at, considering Caleb, Caleb Williams is such a high favorite to win the Heisman this year. We talked about Nick Singleton during our big time preview. That was almost two months ago at this point. He's going to be an absolute beast. The best running back in the Big Ten, in my opinion, even better than Henderson over to Ohio State. Quinn Ewers, absolutely going to be the best quarterback in the Big 12. If he plays well, Texas can very well sneak the way into the college football playoff. Um, if you want one more flyer from me in terms of the Heisman race, looking at the running back position, give me Quinshaw and Judkins over at Ole Miss. The guy is going to absolutely feast in that offense. I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, and I love my Heisman running backs, and I think this might be where we revert back to that. Jumping over to our college football playoff predictions, and I'm going to go first here because I got a pretty interesting list. Get ready here, Gavin. I got at number one, we of course have the Bulldogs. No one's going to 
in the SEC and in, even if in college football. At number two, here's where it gets interesting. I got Penn State winning the Big Ten and hopping their way right into the college football playoff. I've, I was a little bullish on them when we did the Big Ten, and for good reason, but I'm fully bought into Drew Aller now, and I think if he's better than Sean Clifford was for them, they seemed like a team that was just a quarterback away from beating the Ohio States and Michigans of the world. And I fully expect them to do it and run out of that East. They're going to face little competition in the West. Hopefully Wisconsin can, and I can't believe I'm rooting against Wisconsin here, but hopefully Wisconsin can win a few games and be a formidable top 25 opponent in that big 10 championship. And they sneak their way right into that number two spot in the college football playoff at number three. Texas is back, baby. They win the Big 12, they beat Bama, and they get right back into the cup. They get, they'd be making their college football playoff debut. They would. They would. It's the first time they'd be in the, in the playoff. Yeah, Texas is back. This is their year. They're going to be right there with them. I think they got explosive players on both sides of the football, and they're just going to be just a delight to watch this year. And lastly, rounding it out, I have a one-loss Michigan hopping in there, and that one loss is obviously going to be against Penn State. I think they're a really good football team on both sides of the football, and I think they're still good enough to beat Ohio State, a team that still hasn't chosen a quarterback yet. Despite all their talent, I really do believe in Michigan and what Harbaugh's building over there. So kind of a little off-brand college football playoff prediction here, but hey, you got to switch things up every now and then. Don't think it's very off-brand at all. It's actually on-brand what happened last year with one SEC, two Big Ten, and one Big 12 team getting in there. My college football, college football playoff prediction – I've got two of the same teams in there. First and foremost, starting the Georgia Bulldogs. I expect them to come out of the SEC, hop in that one spot, and be ready to three-peat. As you mentioned last week, we haven't seen a three-peat in quite some time. If there's a team to do it, it's the 2023 Georgia Bulldogs. Coming in at the number two position, and I know this is a little bit high, but I expect them to perform very well this year, the Washington Huskies. I expect Michael Penix and company to come out of the Pac-12 win that conference as a one-loss team and hop into the college football playoff and take on the eventual three seed. Coming in number three, give me the Texas Longhorns. I am all lean on Quinn Ewers. Hook them horns, baby. Give me that seller defense. Give me Steve Sarkeesian. Texas coming out of the Big 12. Big things coming from the Longhorns. And sneaking into number four as a one-loss, maybe two, Big 10 champion. Give me the Michigan Wolverines. I do think this is the year where we do not get multiple teams from one conference sneaking in the college football playoff. I was tempted to put either Clemson or Florida State in here. And I, I really do think that this college football landscape is the most evenly divided across the conferences that we've seen in quite some time, potentially in the entire college, college football playoff era. It's going to be hard for a team that does not win their conference championship to get into the college football playoff. In the past, we've seen the Pac-12 eat itself alive. This year, I expect a one-loss Pac-12 champion to get in. Beyond that, the SEC, the SEC champion will get in. We both expect the Big Ten champion to get in. And the Big 12 champion, if Texas, if Texas lives up to the hype, they will get in. So I do expect four conference champions to make their way into this playoff and make it a really exciting year. And I completely agree with a lot of what you had to say on that list. My And I wanted to put a Pac-12 team in here so bad. My problem is they're like, to their own detriment, the Pac-12 is so good this year. I'm just really worried they're all going to beat up on each other and we're not going to see a one-loss team in that conference. That's kind of my concern in the Big Ten, and that's why I have Michigan at four. I mean, there are there's three to four teams at the top of those conferences that are simply phenomenal. You look at the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, 
each of those teams are going to win 10 games. Then you look over to Wisconsin, we're probably going to win 10 games as well. Also, to our betters out there, Wisconsin's win total is currently sitting in eight and a half. Get that at the over before it gets to nine because it will go to nine. However, we are not getting the college football playoff. It is going to be either Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. But as I said, each of those teams win 10 games this year. Look over to the Pac-12, Washington, USC, Oregon, each of those teams probably winning 10 games as well. They each other alive. However, if one team can emerge as an 11 win conference champion, you're going to see them dancing come New Year's Day, college football playoff, actually New Year's Eve, pardon me, college football playoff, semifinals, looking to get to the big dance. My one question for you is of those teams you listed in your college football playoff spots, which do you think has the best chance of stopping the Georgia Bulldogs? None is an acceptable answer. <laughs> it, it's got to be the Big Ten champion, the Michigan Wolverines. I do love your pick in Penn State. However, Michigan is the more complete team, in my opinion, on both sides of the football, especially the defensive side. Last week during our SEC preview, we mentioned that if Georgia is going to lose at all this season, it is going to be because they lose the turnover margin. I love what the Wolverines are doing on the defensive side of the football. If they're going to win that turnover margin, they have a decent chance of beating the Bulldogs. I'm inclined to agree. I think Michigan, there's also just the factor that they've been there before. So, I mean, they obviously got punched in the face last year, but they didn't really know what to expect. Now they're back, they're retooled, and they're ready to go. I think Michigan definitely has a really good shot of upheaving the Bulldogs. My only issue is if Michigan hops into that four seed, they're going to be playing the Bulldogs from the get, and I don't know how that's going to go for them. I'd, I'd almost rather see Michigan and Georgia in the national championship than in that first game. I'm inclined to agree. And the only reason I put them in that four slot is because, as you mentioned, that Big Ten is so competitive. They could easily end up two, three, or four, and they could easily end up outside the college football playoff. I'm not saying they're going to make it for sure. However, I mean, it's going to be tough to take down George no matter when you're playing them. But the key to playing the Bulldogs is to win the turnover battle. And I think Michigan has the best chance to do that. Of the teams I mentioned, that I think will be in the playoff come New Year's Eve. Definitely. And I think Carson Beck can be great all year, but when those lights shine bright, he is still a guy in his first year at the quarterback position. And there is definitely an opportunity for him to lose a little focus there. And Michigan will absolutely capitalize on that. We need to see it. We need to see it firsthand. All right. Speaking of things we need to see, let's hop over to the NFL to get some NFC stuff going. We're going to start with the NFC East and let's get to the Eagles first. I mean, they may have lost some guys, but the Eagles are still clearly the team to beat in this division. We already know Jalen Hurts is great. He's running it back with A.J. Brown and a guy who I think is really going to pop onto the scene this year in Devonta Smith. They lose Miles Sanders, but they add Devonta Swift and Rashad Penny to pair with Miles, Kenneth Gainwell. But the story of this team for me is the defense. They got all their guys back, plus Nolan Smith, who I think is going to be a, make a huge impact in year one. Not only the team to be in the East, but I think they're easily the team to be in the NFC. Couldn't agree more. The depth on the Eagles roster is better than any team in the NFL, including in the Kansas City Chiefs. You look the, to the defensive side of the football you hit the nail on the head. They bring back just about everybody, plus Nolan Smith, plus Jalen Carter. Essentially, they reloaded their defense with the Georgia Bulldogs, which is not exactly the worst way to go about things in the NFL. Then you look over in the offense, as you mentioned, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Gainwell, Devontae Smith. They're going to be a phenomenal football team. My only concern with the Eagles is they're getting that first place schedule this year. Last year, it was no secret they played just about the easiest schedule in football. That's not taking anything away from their season. They deserved to be in the Super Bowl. They put up a great fight against Kansas City. They were the best team in the NFC. 
However, I do not expect them to win 14 games this year. The schedule is a lot tougher. They do have, again, probably the best depth in football, as well as, without a doubt, the best offensive line. You can't even argue that. I do expect them to take a a tiny step back with a tougher schedule, but they're still going to win 12, 13 games and come come out of this NFC East on top. 12 and 5 easily wins you the East this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jumping over to the team that's probably going to give them the most competition, it's the Dallas Cowboys. And similar to the Eagles, this team is all about the defense. You got Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence holding it down on the edges. But what really has me excited for this team this year is the secondary. Trayvon Diggs is obviously Trayvon Diggs, but then you got you go out and you add an effective guy in Stefan Gilmore. Then you got Malik Hooker and Donovan Wilson taking care of things at safety. This could easily, for me, Gavin, be the best Cowboys defense we've seen in the 21st century this year. Jasper, you might call me crazy, but this is their year. If the Cowboys are going to make a run at it, this is the year. The only positions they lacked last year were cornerback two and wide receiver two. And guess what? They went out and they filled those roles. I'm talking about Stefan Gilmore and I'm talking about Brandon Cooks. The Cowboys got a lot better this offseason, a lot better. And if we expect the Eagles to regress, as we both said they will, to about a 12-win team, the Cowboys are right there contending for this conference championship or this this division championship, pardon me. The only thing I need to see from Dallas, and it's a thing that's been their bugaboo for the past decade, they need to win the big games. The talent's there. The roster's there. They brought in Mike McCarthy. He's their guy now. He's going to be calling plays this year. There's no question mark there. If the Dallas Cowboys are going to make a run in the Super Bowl, they need to win the big games. And Jasper, call me crazy, but they're going to win the big games this year, and the Dallas Cowboys are going to be playing in the NFC Championship come January. You know, I would not be surprised about that at all. My only hesitation is, and we talked about the big games, obviously, Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. They win the big games. It's on Dak's shoulders. And they sent a message to him today and right before we started recording this podcast by training for one Mr. Trey Lance from the 49ers. Dak is on his shortest leash yet. He needs to get it done this year. There's too much talent across the board on this team. Solid offensive line. You got a great tandem in Pollard and Deuce Vaughn. You mentioned Brandon Cooks. I think that might have been one of the more underrated signings of free agency. Or did they trade for him? The uh, free agency. Great. One of the easily one of the most underrated signings of free agency. But Dak Prescott has to perform. He has to figure it out. He has to not make mistakes. Led the league in interceptions last year. That's not okay for a guy whose team has cha- NFC championship expectations. So I'm hesitant about Zach or Dak. But other than that, I really love this team. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you, you know, on the head. It, it comes down to Dak Prescott and can you win big moments in Jasper? This is, this is the year he does it. Dak Prescott's going to be great this year and the Cowboys are going to shock a lot of people. I like it. I like it. Another team that shocked a lot of people last year was the New York giants. And I think they should be fun again this year. I think Daniel Jones will live up to his new contract. Saquon's bought back in and ready to be a leader on this offense. They got a sneaky wide receiver room, too, with some guys who've shown flashes in Isaiah Hodgins and Paris Campbell. But I think by midseason, we're really going to be talking about Jalen Hyatt as the story of this offense. Defensively, they should be solid as well. Thibodeau looks to become a leader on that defensive front. But they have a lot of solid guys around their depth chart, including Adoree Jackson. Overall, with the Giants, I got to see it to believe it. But I think they will be a solid team and once again find themselves in the playoffs. I really don't know what to expect from this team. They, I mean, 
they overperformed last season. Nobody expected them to be in the playoffs, let alone get a playoff win against the Minnesota Vikings. They added some talent on offense this offseason. They added Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, as you mentioned, who I believe, as you do too, will be a phenomenal pickup and a phenomenal piece this offense coming down the stretch. Uh, Darren Waller, obviously, coming over from your Las Vegas Raiders to uh, give Daniel Jones a safety valve, so to speak, at the tight end position. Um, and then you look at their defense, and the foundation there is pretty good. Uh, you got Dexter Lawrence uh, right there in the middle, along with Ashawn Robinson and stuff in the run, and they should form a pretty formidable front, too. Uh, Wink Martindale loves to just unleash these weird, exotic blitz packages, and I cannot wait to see what he, what he cooks up this year, but... I really don't know what to expect from this team, as I just said. They've got some talent, and they overperformed last year. Give this team four to five weeks, and I don't really know what they're about. But as of right now, I have them at 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, not getting much better than that. Yeah, and I'm right there in the same boat with you. I, I think they're a really solid team, and I think if they were in any other division, they'd be a lot more competitive. But they have the unfortunate factor of being in the NFC East. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the Giants – kind of build off last season's success. I really like Dable as their head coach. I think he's a solid head coach and a good leader for them, um, especially for a team that really hasn't had a true leader since Tom Coughlin left. But yeah, the Giants are going to be interesting this year. We'll have to see what they're about. Jumping in the last team in this division and probably the bottom feeder, you obviously got the commanders who are in a transition year with new ownership, which for them, that's already winning the Super Bowl this year. Getting Dan Snyder out of there is huge for them. I think Sam Howell should be fun. I see a lot of Taylor Heineke-esque stuff in him, and I think we should see a few solid performances and plays. The big guy I'm looking for on this offense, though, is Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. I think he's going to be really good this year and have a solid breakout season, especially lining up alongside Terry McLaurin. It'll also be really interesting to see how Brian Robinson plays in a full season. Other than that, I don't really have much to say about the Commanders. I think they should be fun. Uh, Rivera might get fired after this year, but you know they're rebuilding as an organization. Sometimes that happens. I expect them to bring up the rear in this division. You you took the words out of my mouth with the two players I was really looking forward to seeing this year, Jahad Dotson and Brian Robinson. Uh, not much else needs to be said except for the fact that they should improve this year coming off their rookie seasons. Um, Terry McLaurin, of course, is going to be a great piece of that offense. And then you look over to the defense and you see uh, Montez Sweat, great edge rusher, and then you pair him with uh, first round pick Emmanuel form Emmanuel Forbes over a quarterback uh, cornerback who should have the opportunity to make an immediate impact. Bottom line, however, is there is far too many questions, too few answers on this team to really get a feel of how they're going to be. I've got them about about five, six wins, and I expect that rebuilding process to be a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. There's just not much to see with the commanders. Um, I mean, there's a few exciting players, but nothing too crazy. So jumping to the final standings here, I have the Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, and Commanders. Nothing, I mean, pretty standard stuff for me. We obviously know who the best teams in this, two best teams in this division are. The Giants will be interesting, but we don't know. And then the Commanders are in a rebuild, so we shouldn't see too much out of them. Yeah, I've got the exact same order. However, the Eagles and Cowboys, I have them separated by exactly one game. 12 wins to 11 wins. 12 and 5 and 11 and 6. I like it. I like it. I think the Cowboys are going to be phenomenal come this season. As I said, though, Dak Prescott got to figure it out there. But if he does, this team is primed for a really solid year. 
Jumping over the NFC West, which, I mean, it's pretty much a two-team race and then a whole lot of meh. So let's jump in with the Niners. They're the favorite. To me, it's their division to lose right now. They're going to play really solid defense. Bose is a beast. Warner might be the best linebacker in the NFL. I do have some concerns about their secondary, which isn't as complete as some think, but that can really be weathered for them for the most part by really solid D-line play. Offensively, this team is also very solid. McCaffrey barring injury will be great, but if he gets hurt, Shanahan will scheme up any running back to look great in that offense. Their offensive line is great, but it really lacks depth. So I think if they get bit by the injury bug, this team could be in some big trouble this year. Debo is Debo. And I mean, do you think this is the year we finally see Ayuk live up to the hype? I don't think we need to see him live up to the hype only because they're so complete at every level. You've got Christian McCaffrey. You've got Debo Samuel. Uh, they figured out their quarterback situation. I know we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, officially Purdy at one, Darnold at two, and Trey Lance now a Dallas Cowboy. Um, as you mentioned, this team is complete at every level, aside from the secondary, although I do believe they're okay there. But not a whole lot of depth, as you alluded to. However, the talent's just too much to overlook. They are the odds-on favorite in this division. It is their division to lose. It's really as far as Brock Purdy can take them at this point. Yeah, and I think Brock Purdy's clearly their guy after the trade of Trey Lance and the sorting out of that whole quarterback situation. So they're going to let Purdy take over this offense, and we'll see what he can do. I think he, barring like some repercussions from that injury, he should be pretty good. Jumping over to your team, though, and this is where things get fun. The Seahawks, defensively, this team is young and explosive. They hit on all their draft picks a year ago. They went out and had the best cornerback in the draft in Devin Witherspoon. You brought back Bobby Wagner, who definitely still has something left in the tank and should be a great vigilant leader of the middle. Offensively, I expect Kenny Walker to build off a solid rookie campaign. Your wide receivers are great with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Little concerned about JSN's injury, but once healthy, he looks to play a major impact in this offense. The line is also really solid. And I mean, in the case of Gino, for me, he absolutely earned this deal. And I'm a believer until he shows me otherwise. But I'm going to stop talking and let you take the floor here. <laughs> I just said that the Niners are going to go as far as Brock Purdy can take them. Well, my Hawks are going to go as far as Gino Smith can take us. And you just said why. He's got playmakers all around him. Ken Walker is going to build off his rookie year. I expect big things from him. DK and Tyler are going to do what they do. And JSN should be back fully healthy by week two. Uh, we'll see if he plays week one or not. Um, however, I do expect him to be a huge focal point in our offense this upcoming year. You look over to the defensive side of the football, and that's been our Achilles, heel, our Achilles heel for the past five or so years. We upgraded at every level. We brought in Draymond Jones from the Denver Broncos. Probably one of the most underrated signings in this offseason. I expect big things from him and Uchenna Nwosu on the edge of our defense. You look at the offensive line, another, another part of our team that's been iffy for the past five years. I expect Phil Haynes and Evan Brown to be great additions to our team. Evan Brown coming from Detroit and Phil Haynes filling that role. Uh, he played uh, the final five games last season, and we averaged 120 yards on the ground during the games he started. If that offensive line can hold up and if our defense can take a step forward with Draymond Jones, Devin Witherspoon, we're going to be really good. And then it's up to Geno Smith and how far he can take us. People are going to write this team off because the Niners are so talented, and I can't blame them. However, similar to the Eagles and the Cowboys, how I have them separated by one game, I have this division separated by one game as well. 
Yeah, I could easily see you splitting with the Niners this year if everything goes right for the Hawks. Yeah, couldn't agree more, um, especially with that 12-man advantage in Seattle. This is a two-team race, and it's up to the quarterbacks, uh, unproven quarterbacks, to take these teams as far as they can go. Yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, we have to talk about the Rams and the Cardinals, so let's just jump into the cards. They made a couple of interesting moves yesterday, which leads me to believe they're in full tank mode, shipping off Isaiah Simmons and an offensive lineman. If they're taken for Kyler or taken for Caleb, what do you think happens with Kyler Murray? Well, we just saw Trey Lance be shipped off to the Dallas Cowboys, and he was a guy that the Niners traded multiple first-round picks for. Um, I see similar things happening with Kyler. Uh, you know, off the top of my head, I can't rattle off a team he might go to, but it does seem as if the Cardinals are in full tank mode for Caleb Williams in the 2024 draft. Yeah, I mean, I could easily see Kyler being a commander next year. That would be pretty interesting. <laughs> Chip Kyler real Washington. Yeah, I mean, there's no mistaking the guy's got some raw talent, but it's yet to be seen with a complete offense. It was tough with Cliff Kingsbury and that air raid that just simply didn't work out in Arizona. Um, command or The commanders do need a quarterback. Um, but the other teams that needed one, they got their guy in this draft, talking about Carolina, Houston, um, and Indianapolis. So we'll see how those teams turn out. And I do expect a team come the end of the season to need a quarterback. And that's probably where Kyler Murray fits in. Kyler as a Raider could also be pretty interesting, but I'm not going to put that. <laughs> Jumping over the Rams. Uh, I don't really have much to say about this team, except it'll be fun to see t- Sam Bennett take over once Stafford inevitably gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. The only guy I'm really excited to see on the Rams this year is Cam Akers. Um, uh, Cooper Cup's going to be great this year. There's no question about that. Aaron Donald's going to be a force in the middle. Uh, I do expect Cam Akers to take a big step forward in his third season. And if he does, you know what? That might be a success for the entire Rams team this season. Yeah. What do you think we, you think McVay moves on after this year? It's tough to tell. Um, but at this point, it's tough not to have that conversation. I mean, we were having the conversation of him moving to the broadcast booth. What was that, two years ago? Yeah. Um, and the team simply hasn't improved since then. So I have a hard time believing his future in L.A. is long-lasting if the team wins less than six games this year. I'm in complete agreement. I think another guy whose future in L.A. is not long-lasting is Aaron Donald, who we could easily see retire after this year. He doesn't have a whole lot much more to accomplish. What, 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 does, he, what does he have? Three depoys? It's at least two. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in the MVP conversation for a couple of seasons, one of the best defensive tackles to ever play the game, got a Super Bowl ring. I mean, that that that, that ring is just costing the Rams big time right now, and they're going to have to rebuild in the next couple of years. Yeah, but they had to go for it. I mean, they were a quarterback away, and Stafford really got it done for them in 2021. So I can't really blame him for it, but it's hard, it. you, it's hard when you ship off all those first-round picks to really stay relevant as a competitive team when going for Super Bowls in their yeah. situation. Yeah. So jumping to the final standings, uh, this, this is pretty straightforward stuff once again. You got the Niners, Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals on my end. Yep, yeah, same here, and no explanation needed. We just talked about it. Two team race. I expect it to be decided by one game. Yep. Same here. Jumping into probably one of the most interesting divisions for me in football this year. It's the NFC North. And I'm going to start with the Vikings. You obviously have the Vikings who on paper look to be the favorites to win this division. You got a lot of people picking the wishing to win, win this division, but they got really lucky in a lot of games last year, bottom line. And they look destined for regression this year. Kirk Cousins still could be the lead QB 
is still the lead guy at QB, but I truly believe he peaked as a quarterback last year, and I don't think we're going to see the same level of play from him ever again. You still have the best receiver in the league in J.J.F., and you had a really solid young talent in Jordan Addison. T.J. Hawkerson will be a dependable weapon for them. And Alexander Madison looks to take over that lead back duty with the departure of Dalvin Cook. So this offense could look a lot different than it did last year, which should be interesting. Defensively, this team really is nothing special. I think a lot of their hiccups on defense last year were really looked over by people because of the solid offensive play. They were always a drive away from getting right back into games. But what do you expect from the Vikings this season, Gav? I expect huge regression. And when I say huge, I mean bottom of the division huge. I mean, Jordan Addison's a great pickup and Hawkinson's a great, uh, you know, a, a great safety valve for Kirk Cousins. But this offense cannot revolve around one player, especially considering the quarterback position and Kirk Cousins. He's not exactly an elite guy back there. Uh, Madison will be OK at the running back position, but it ain't going to be the Dalvin Cook of the past years we're used to seeing. This offense will take a step back. And when it does, the defense is going to be left high and dry. They did not improve at all on defense. As a matter of fact, they got worse. And I expect this secondary to be one of the worst in football this year. You pair all that together, and this is a season for the Vikings that I expect to be very, very bad. Yeah, same here. I mean, I, I you have them coming in last. I probably have them coming in third. I expect huge regression with the Vikings this year. Their defense is garbage. Patrick Peterson was kind of their only safety valve at cornerback last year, and he's now a Pittsburgh Steeler. So they definitely got some ground to make up. Jumping over a team with, ironically, probably the best cornerback room in football, and that's the Green Bay Packers. I mean, the big story here is obviously Rodgers leaving, but I think there's a lot of intriguing things about this Green Bay squad that fans have to look forward to this year. They got some dudes on defense, man, and it really starts with their solid secondary. Jair Alexander and Rajul Douglas are both locked down on the outside. Then you got Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage holding things down in the last line of defense. Also a really solid team up front. Preston Smith will be leading the charge up there. The current Packers defense is the defense that we were advertised last season, and their success really starts with them. Yeah, and in this division where – I think most of America expects the Detroit Lions to be the best team. Um, the Detroit Lions, first of all, don't play defense. But second of all, they're going to have the best offense in this division. But if there is a team that has the defense to slow the Lions down, it's the Packers. And you just mentioned their secondary is going to be the best in the division. It's not even close. Their front four is going to be formidable. Preston Smith up there causing problems. And... I do expect this defense to be top five in football, not just not just the best in the NFC North. You pair that with the best offensive line in the conference, not the conference, but the division by far, uh, probably the second best in the NFL behind the Philadelphia Eagles, and by far the best running back room in this division. I know a lot of the Lions picked up Jameer Gibbs in the, in the draft, but the Packers still have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Let's not forget that. So you pair the best O-line, the best defense, and the best running backs, and I have a hard time seeing how any team in this division gets past the Green Bay Packers. Same here, and I love the running back room they have, as you mentioned. I think LaFleur is going to scheme up some big things for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon now that they're going to be the leaders of this offense. The wide receiver room looks solid to me, but I can't tell if they are good because of their skill or because they had Aaron Rodgers throwing them the football. And obviously the real story with this offense this year is Jordan Love, who's looked great in the preseason, and I'm starting to buy into him more and more. I think at his worst, he's a game manager, which is really all the Packers need out of him. But yeah, I think Green Bay could really make some big strides this year. 
People are going to hate me saying this, but all Jordan Love needs to do this season is be Jimmy Garoppolo. And what I mean by that is hand the goddamn ball off and hit your check down passes because LaFleur is going to draw up plays for Aaron Jones all day long. Jordan Love is going to pass the ball 18 to 20 times a game, and the Packers are going to be a real threat in the NFC North. Definitely. Now, jumping over a team that I know you're pretty low on, but I'm 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 super high on the Detroit Lions. I'm buying into the hype. I'm buying into the Dan Campbell. What's what's the word I'm looking for? The Dan Campbell aura, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I love the Lions. I don't think Jared Goff's solid season last year was with flash in the pan. I love him as the leader of this offense. A lot of people scoffed at the pick, but I love the tandem they have in David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs opens things up for them in the running game. And even like in the passing game that DeAndre Swift couldn't do, I think he's honestly that talented. And of course, you have Amon Ross St. Brown, who's going to be phenomenal and healthy. But for me, the sneaky thing on this offense, obviously the offensive line is good. It's Sam Laporte and Brock Wright at tight end. I think people shouldn't sleep on them. They could have they have a chance to really be a solid tandem this year and turn some heads. Now, there's a lot of people who shake their heads this defense, and I know you're one of them, but I think they really improved this offseason. We all know Aiden Hutchinson's a phenomenal talent and could have easily been Rookie of the Year if it weren't for Sauce Gardner over in New York. And I think they really improved in the secondary as well. I think Tracy Walker and Cameron Sun both really improved last season towards the end. The addition of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I think will be a great leader in that secondary and I think is a guy who is going to be really, really good on that defense. And I'm still pretty bullish on Malcolm Rodriguez. I know he was a star in hard knocks, but... He's a dog. That dude loves playing football, and he made a lot of really solid plays for them last year in stopping the run. If they can really take steps forward defensively, I think they can be really solid and compete with the Packers for the to be top dogs in this division. I do want to say um, that, that that explanation just made me buy the lines a little bit more. However, I do disagree with you on two key things with this team. First and foremost is Jared Goff. He played out of his mind last season as far as his standards are concerned. He was far and beyond what the Lions expected to get out of him in, in year in year one. Um, I do expect some serious regression from Jared Goff. I expect him to be a lot worse than he was last season and more so what we saw towards the end of his Rams tenure. The second uh, point that I disagree with you on is their secondary. Sure, Gardner Johnson is a great veteran pickup, and he should be a nice piece that defense to build a secondary around. But I do think they're still one, two years away from having that secondary be really locked up. And for that reason, I have concerns as to how they're going to play outside of the division. There's not really a huge concern inside the division as to the Vikings, Packers, and Bears in terms of getting torched in that secondary. But you look at the rest of their schedule, and I have serious concerns as to how that secondary is going to hold up. So when you pair Jared Goff's regression, expected regression with a secondary that I do believe to be a serious concern, and I have concerns to this Lions team. However, you do mention Aiden Hutchinson. He is going to be an absolute unit. You pair him with James Houston on the other edge. They combined for 18 sacks last year as rookies. They're going to get 25 this year. They're going to cause havoc in the backfield, and they're going to be a force on that defensive front. The wide receiver room's fine. The running back room is going to be great. The offense is going to score. It comes down to how well Jared Goff can play and how well that secondary can hold up, which at the moment for me are two question marks that are too big to overcome. Yep. And that's the great thing about football is we'll get those question marks answered this year. I'm a little more <laughs> bullish on, or I'm a little more interested in the uh, Detroit Lions than you are, but we'll have to see how it goes. 
Lastly, we got the Bears, and I know you're a little higher on them than I am, but I'm going to give the Bears credit. I think they're really moving in the right direction as a franchise now. I'm starting to really, really buy into Justin Fields, especially with the addition of DJ Moore. I think that opens up great things for not only Justin Fields, but for Darnell Mooney on the other side of the football, who's was Darnell Mooney is not a lead receiver, and it's great to see him finally get that opportunity as a number two to really shine. That being said, I still don't think they're fully ready to compete, and I see major question marks both on the offensive line and the running back room. And obviously, you don't need a lead guy to be great in the NFL in the running back department, but I really just don't see a guy on this team between Donta Foreman, Cleo Herbert. Uh, same goes for the defense for me. I think they're really improved, but they still haven't reached the status we expect from Bears teams on the defensive side of the football I still see them bringing up the rear of this division as much as I hate to say it. Cause I know they're going to be good in a couple of years. <laughs> I'm high on this Bears team and here's why first and foremost, let's talk about DJ Moore and what he opens up for this offense. And that is the vertical passing game that Justin Fields has not had in the NFL. Don Darnell Mooney is a fine wide receiver, but he does not open up the down the field passes to the extent that DJ Moore does. That is going to be a huge pickup for Justin Fields. But more importantly, let's look to the defensive side of the football. Uh, the Bears went out this offseason and they picked up two huge linebackers. I'm talking about Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, who Pro Football Focus had as their number five and number six rated linebackers last season. And this is a Bears defense that was okay to begin with and in a division that is going to be headlined by this explosive Lions offense and a Vikings offense that led them to the playoffs last year. The addition of those two linebackers, I don't think can be overstated. It is incredible what that means to that Bears team. That, as I mentioned, looks at the offense and the explosive down the field plays that DJ Moore opens up. And I really do expect this team to take huge steps forward. Do they get to the playoffs? Maybe, maybe not. I know a lot, a lot of people will have them not making the playoffs, but I expect this team to look a lot different than last year. The defense is going to be formidable, and Justin Fields is going to have a lot more options on offense, especially in the passing game. Absolutely, and I, I'm totally in agreement with you on the offensive side of the football. I love what they did at linebacker, but I just I still need to see it because I'm used to the Bears' defense being the center point of this team, and they need to be dominant for me to see them really have success in this division. Yeah, and again, th th this division to me is wide open. I know a lot of people are going to take the Lions to win 10, 11, 12 games. I have a hard time seeing that happening. Um, to me, this division is wide open, and it's really anyone's taking in the first five, six weeks of the season. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kick it over to you then for your final standings prediction. Who do you think is taking this division? I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but uh, I have the Packers winning the NFC North. Um, I have it as a very tight race. I don't think a team in this division wins more than 10 games. I have the Packers win this division in 10 games. However, a team that I have winning nine games, and I know we'll get to our playoff predictions in a second here, sneaking into the playoffs, the Chicago Bears have coming in nine and eight, second in this division. I have the Detroit Lions finishing at eight and nine, third in this division, and have the Vikings bringing up the rear as a six or seven win team. I like it. I like it. I'm similar there to you where I also have the Packers winning this division. I just think their defense and offensive potential. I mean, Lafleur is like Shanahan to me. He can scheme up anything for anyone. Then I have the Lions at two, the Vikings at three, and the Bears rounding it out at four. You have convinced me a little bit to put the Vikings really lower in these standings, but for now, I think I got to rock with them just because 
Uh, a little bit of recency bias. I mean, they've done it before. I think I still have a little bit of belief left in them. Um, but yeah, I think the NFC North is easily the most interesting division in the NFC. Jumping into probably the least interesting division in the NFC, and that, my friend, is the NFC South. And we're going to start with the Saints because I'm super pumped for this team. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Derek Carr truther, Gavin. I'll admit it through and through. I'm still, I'm still a huge fan of this guy. I think he really has a chance to lead this young offense in the right direction and a really good chance to get back to the playoffs and play some playoff football, which is an opportunity he didn't get to do much of with the Raiders. You got Chris Olave looks primed for a breakout year with uh, Derek Carr. And you know, I'm all about those out of frame throws. He's going to have a lot of those to Chris Olave this season. Michael Thomas, we're going to see what he has left in the tank. Who even knows after all those injuries, but he should still be a great option for him. Even if he's just a number two, I think we're going to see the tandem of Kamara and Jamal Williams really be really similar to what we saw out of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift with Detroit last year. I think that's going to be really solid for them. Defensively, this team is also very solid. They got playmakers all over the field and Tyron Matthew, Marshawn Lattimore, and Cam Jordan. The Saints are going to be solid, always be solid defensively, though. I mean, especially with Dennis Allen at the helm. Is this team a Super Bowl contender? No, but they're a very solid team all around, and that's all you really need to win the lackluster NFC South. Correct, and a very young NFC South, with the exception of the New Orleans Saints. This is by far the oldest team in the South. You mentioned Cam Jordan. He's 34 years old, and he's a great football player, but he is aging. And I do expect this pass rush to be lacking for this team this year. However, I don't think that's a real factor in them winning this division, considering the talent in the uh, that the other three teams possess. Um, I look at this team, and as I just said, the pass rush is lacking. Other than that, the defense is solid. You mentioned their playmakers all over the field, Marshall and Lattimore being the headliner. Then look to the offensive side of the football. They got playmakers there too. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams. They're going to be great. Derek Carr is going to be great. The offensive line is a concern for me and a pretty big one at that. We're used to seeing the Saints team protect the likes of Drew Brees for the past two decades. That's not what we're going to see this year. Derek Carr could be running for his life back there. However, the rest of their team has a ton of talent. Um, I do expect them to win this division simply based on experience and the talent they possess but it will be closer than most people than most people predict. Ben zone, Derek Carr has been running his whole life with the Raiders, so I'm not really too concerned about poor offensive line play for the Saints. <laughs> well, that bodes well for him then. Absolutely. As for the rest of the division, you might have more to talk about than I do, but I'm just going to jump into some things here. I think Bryce Young Carolina will be good, but they really lack playmakers, especially with the departure of DJ Moore. I love the Miles Sanders edition. I like their defense a lot. I think they're definitely moving in the right direction, especially with the young guys they got in Horn and uh, Chin. But yeah, I think Carolina could easily sneak their way into number two in this division, but they're not going to make the playoffs and they're just too young. I think for them, the biggest thing you got to see this year is just Bryce Young be successful. I do believe their season hinges on Bryce Young's play. I don't want to write them off as a non-playoff team though, because because I just mentioned the Saints' weakness at O-line, as well as the pass rush, as well as the fact that they're aging. This Carolina roster is the best roster in this conference, in my opinion. You look at the defensive side of the football, and you mentioned J.C. Horn, Brian Burns. They have a lot of young talent over there that I expect to cause havoc in this division. You look at the offensive side of the football. You've got Bryce Young, obviously rookie quarterback, heading into year one. You expect him to 
progress, hopefully, but they did a great job of surrounding him with veteran talent. I'm talking about Miles Sanders. I'm talking about Hayden Hurst. I'm talking about Adam Thielen. This team is veteran riddled on offense, young on defense, and super, super talented. This team can go as far as Bryce Young takes them. I do not think it's out of the question for them to leapfrog the Saints and sneak their way into the four seed in the NFC. Yeah, and I think there's definitely a division where we see similar to the NFC East a couple of years ago where we're going to see a lot of low records or a lot of like records that we're going to see like eight and eight late in the season, seven and seven and six. But I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. This division is completely open. I think at least for the Panthers and the Falcons, they could easily make a little run here. Jumping over the Falcons, I see a lot of talent, as you said, a lot of young talent as well there. I love Bajan Robinson. I think Tyler Algier is still a great running back for them. Drake London and do you see how Jack Mac Hollins looked in pre- in training camp this year? I think Mac Hollins is primed for a little breakout season with the Falcons. He's okay. going back. Um, Desmond Ritter though for that offense, who knows what you have in the guy? That's that's the biggest thing with them. They're still way out of bounds with a quarter in the quarterback department. Defensively, I love AJ Terrell, but that's about it. They're super thin on defense, and that's a problem in the NFC where you have some high-powered offenses. Um, But you mentioned Desmond Ritter. They've got some weapons on offense. They've got Bijan. They've got Kyle Pitts. Drake London, with the shaky quarterback play last year, actually performed pretty well, in my opinion. I'm not buying Ritter, though, and for that reason, I have the Falcons winning no more than six games this year. Yeah, I can't believe I blanked on two tight ends this year or this to this podcast with Darren Waller and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts needs a quarterback. He is too good a talent to be as underutilized as he is. I mean, this guy at Florida, he's he's what Darren Waller could be if he stayed healthy. He is fast. He's a basketball player playing football, you know? Yeah, I mean, him, yeah, you, yeah, him and Drake London, both like, I mean, Drake London only last year, but Kyle Pitts the past two years, they've been okay. And we've kind of been like, oh, like, you know, they're not living up to the hype. They haven't had consistent quarterback play. I hope they get it this year. I don't think they do. But if they do, they should both be thousand-yard receivers year in, year out. 100%. I'm in complete agreement. And maybe the Falcons just need to tank for a quarterback this draft. They're going to have tons of options. It might just be time to sell this thing in. Speedy, the other thing that's team that's mailing it in, and that's the Bucks. I mean, they just named Baker Mayfield their starter this week, so hopefully they can grab one of those top-rated QBs in the draft and get this kickoff rebuild, this rebuild going. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Todd Bowles out this year. This team is just in shambles, and Todd Bowles is clearly a bad head coach. I don't know why he got a second chance to start with. Bruce Arians was the gel of this team. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned the Falcons potentially tanking for that quarterback. Um, they're going to have to compete in that tank with the Buccaneers because they're going to be so bad. Uh, you have on our agenda here, say something nice about the Bucks. I have nothing nice to say about this team. They're going to be really bad contending with the Cardinals um, to maybe win three games this year. Maybe. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we see a career revival from Baker Mayfield and they make some noise. But yeah, there's there's <laughs> nothing nice about the Bucs. You got to feel bad for Bucks fans. But they got their one Super Bowl. That's all they really could ask for. But the, them and the Rams, man, they sold out for one year. And guess what? They got it, but they're paying the fucking price right now. Yeah, so hopefully they enjoyed that Super Bowl. Granted, it was in 2020, so there might be a few asterisks over that, but 
I'll give, I'll give it. I'll give them that Super Bowl over the Dodgers World Series. I think that's fair. I'll give them that Super Bowl only because they had Tom Brady at the helm, and we've seen him win in full seasons. We have not seen the Dodgers win in full seasons, so I'll give the Bucks that bowl. I will not give the Dodgers that World Series. Yeah, he also beat Patrick Mahomes, which is not easy to do even in the COVID year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that wraps up our previews of the NFC, but we got to jump into some final playoff projections. Gav, I'll let you take the wheel here first. All right, uh, coming in at our number one seed with a 12-5 and record, give me the Philadelphia Eagles. They are the deepest roster. I expect them to be the number one seed coming into the playoffs here. At number two, um, at 11-6, and give me the San Francisco 49ers. I expect them to be, again, one of the deepest rosters in football, um, but I do need to see their quarterback play hold up. Uh, they have been unable to keep quarterback healthy for an entire season for the last decade season it seemed like coming in at our number three spot as a 10 win team the green bay packers i love this defense i love this o-line i love this running back room and in a wide open nfc north i expect them to come out on top coming in at our number four seed as potentially an eight and nine team finishing under 500 but still winning their division the new orleans saints I expect them to win at maximum nine games, but still win their division. Then he looks to the wild card at the number five seed as an 11-win team, winning more games than two conference champions, the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to take on the Saints in the first week of the playoffs, and I expect them to win that game. At the number six seed, as a 10-win team, give me the Seattle Seahawks. I love my boys there. Gino, take me to the promised land. And sneaking in at nine and eight and the number seven seed, the Chicago Bears are going to play some playoff football this year. Man, I think the last time the Bears played playoff football, it was against the Saints, if I'm not correct. Mm-mm-mm. Really? Take the double doink, my friend, against Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles. No, because they played they played the Saints in the Nickelodeon game when Mitch Trubisky won his MVP. Was that the playoffs? It was the playoffs. <laughs> fucking kidding me when jimmy graham ran off the field oh it was a a hard time believing that when was the last horrible they were eight and nine it was just a disgust like they watched it was one of those games where you watch it was the game where cj uh cd deuce punched uh marvin mims are you not uh not marvin mims who's the other mims that just got cut uh denzel denzel mims denzel mims and cd deuce got into it in that game Holy shit, 2020, they made the playoffs. That is actually baffling to me, and I feel bad for missing that. That's incredible. MVP game. Wow. Anyhow, I expect them to be in the playoffs this year. Uh, disregard the fact that I just miss, uh, you know, misread the last minute of the playoffs, but Justin Fields leads them back to the playoffs this year. And you know what? They compete with the Niners in that first round, but the Niners do win that game. I like it. I like it. I have the same one through six as you, except I have the Lions sneaking there in that seven seed. I think you're really undervaluing them. But, you know, they are a team that is definitely there's some question marks there. So I totally get it. I think we're definitely going to see two teams come out of that NFC North for the playoff picture. And yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting year in the NFC or a conference that's really down after a bunch of its talent has kind of migrated towards the AFC. So it should be super interesting to see how this game, this season plays out. This conference is wide open. And when we do our AFC preview next week, um, I think we're going to be more in alignment on the couple of teams that we expect to be Super Bowl contenders. Um, but this NFC, 
I mean, obviously you got the Eagles and the Niners and everyone's writing them in as the NFC Championship game. I'm not buying that. I'm I'm waiting to see these first few weeks and how these teams actually look until I can tell you who is going to be coming to that conference come February. Yeah. Out of these seven, can you give me three teams you think can compete to actually win a Super Bowl? I mean, it's got to be the Eagles and the Niners first and foremost. Um, the Eagles simply because of their depth and the Niners simply because of that scheme that Shanahan runs. It's been proven that he doesn't really need a quarterback to go far in the playoffs. However, I do believe he needs a quarterback to win the Super Bowl, and he doesn't have that right now. The third team, I'm going to look to the Dallas Cowboys. If they can win those big spots, Jasper, they have a real shot at beating the Kansas City Chiefs. They've got talent all over the field. They picked up their CB2. They picked up the wide receiver too. Look out for them boys this year. I'm right there with you. We all know Jerry Jones wants one before he uh, he dies, and he <laughs> to get it. If Dak doesn't get him a Super Bowl this year, Dak's out of there. And yeah, Jerry Jones, he wants that Super Bowl bad man. He will do anything to get it. It is going to be a fun season of football down in Dallas. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I'm actually very excited for the Cowboys have this year. Yep, yep. Well, that wraps up our pod. We'll see you guys on probably Monday for a little wrap up of Week Zero and then the preview of the AFC. Yeah, AFC preview and uh, recap week zero and look ahead to week one, Jasper. College football is right around the corner starting tomorrow. Oh, we're right there, man. Football's back. I can't wait. I mean, this college football season is going to be so much fun. The NFL, it'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of surprise games and a lot of really bad beats this year. Yeah, especially the NFC. And for my for my betters, week zero college football, my favorite play is navy plus 21 lock it in lock in the under 49 also it's tough to cover three touchdowns in a different continent lock in the midshipmen let's go i like it my play of the week is going to be the spartans to cover versus usc prove it this is this i'm putting my money against usc prove to me you can play defense i I don't hate it at all i expect them to score but that defense is questionable yep yep so we'll see it all right that wraps up our show we'll see y'all next week I don't want to end the meeting.